Welcome to the Desire and Brethren podcast. I'm Tanner Hawks. I'm David Short. And today we have an extra special guest. We have finally replaced Jackson. Yes, finally. <laughs> we have Dan Stewart. Dan Stewart is my neighbor over here. He is an awesome guy. And what do you do for a living, Dan? I am a... I know uh, that most of our <laughs> listenership is Albertan, so you might want to <laughs> say this as carefully well, as you can. There's plenty of us in Alberta. I, I'm a biologist. So, well, they're they're um, underground in Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great being around Tanner because I don't have to make fun of Alberta. He does it for me. So <laughs> No, so I, I'm a biologist and... Uh, I specialize in plants, um, although I have to work with all kinds of things. But my forte, I guess you could say, would be plant ecology. Nice. And we've got Dan on partly because he is very eloquent, partly because of his dreamy beard, which <laughs> rivals our own David's. Yeah, I just shaved um, And mostly because Dan is really interested in what does his Christianity, uh, how does it intersect with environmentalism? And he is a card-carrying member of Greenpeace. Is that fair? <laughs> no. You're not? <laughs> I thought you were. <laughs> no, I have no association. There's no card-carrying? No, no Greenpeace in me. No Sierra Club. No Wilderness. Whatever. I thought you were in Greenpeace. No. Wow. I don't know where you got that from. Weird. Sorry, I totally disappointed you. Do you need to get a replacement, Dan? Yeah, seriously. Okay, let's call up that other Greenpeace guy. <laughs> no, Dan is very interested in environmental issues, and he is probably good, that's hard to say, good for us Albertans to hear from, because it's probably not the foremost thing on our mind, Dave. No, it's not even like 127th. Something interesting that's been kind of happening in BC over here. Can you actually describe that? Because I don't know all the details of what's been happening. Yeah, so um, I'm sure Albertans are equally aware that uh, a few pipelines have been proposed um, to run from northern Alberta uh, to the coast. So we have the Northern Gateway Project, which is in northern BC. Um, but here locally, we also have the um, Kinder Morgan Pipeline. And it actually runs right through Burnaby, which is where Tanner and I live. So it's actually right here in our neighborhood. So yeah, these are transporting raw bitumen from northern Alberta to the coast, where they would then be transported via tanker um, to the Asian market. And... That has been very controversial over here, especially the Kinder Morgan one, at least in among our community. It is a it is a Burnaby issue. It's a it's it's a national issue, really. But it's obviously hits us close to home being in Burnaby here. So obviously in Alberta, I think not not us personally, Dave, because you're not you're not in the oil industry mm -hmm. and I feed off the money from the oil industry with my cushy government job in the summer, but I don't directly get paid through it. But I think Albertans often do feel attacked over anything to do with pipelines and oil, and so there's a defensive standpoint immediately. Yeah. 
but a lot of activists, but also a lot of Christians have expressed concerns over how this pipeline's going in, the environmental impact of this pipeline. Dave, where do you come at as a Christian? Just have you, have you thought about Christians and environmentalism? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, to be honest, I like, I don't, I'm, I'm not a very big environmentalist. Um, I think, I think my thoughts boil down to one, God created the earth and therefore that means there should be a level of like respect and care for it because it like, it's his creation. And two, um, it's our home, so if we destroy it, we're destroying ourselves. Um, but I think that's I think that's all that it boils down to. And I th- does it does it ever go into specifics like because I think most Christians would have that general framework, yeah. but then their action or lack of action would be it would be in the specifics on like maybe prioritizing that versus other issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a, a secondary or tertiary issue. Like I definitely don't have actions that I do that would be based on being environmentally friendly other than just not, you know, trying not to create an excess of garbage or whatever. But I don't. I don't right. really do anything that is this. I'm doing this to be environmentally friendly. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would probably say that I'm similar in the sense that growing up, it's it's kind of like every issue. I know that I'm not one of the bad ones in my mind yeah. of what a yeah. a bad one is. You know, like you know, I remember growing up and being like Hummers. Yeah. Hummers are so bad. <laughs> Yeah, or something like that, but like very generic and like not actually taking any steps other than I don't litter, therefore I'm a good citizen. Or mm-hmm. my family, well, we had a burn barrel growing up, so like, <laughs> we were so the off, like just on an acreage, everything went in the burn barrel and plastic, everything, just used tires, yeah. constant <laughs> black smoke coming out of that burn barrel, man. But yeah, it's. It's more of a lack of positive action where I would yeah, say sure. this is so far down my list of issues that it becomes nothing yeah. in my mind. Were you ever like that, Dan? Or did you grow up in a family that, I mean, um, that was different? No, I grew up in a family where my dad would, he certainly instilled that. Like, we would sail every year for two weeks in the Gulf Islands. We would camp every summer and uh, hike and all that stuff. And my dad would teach me the names of wildflowers and spend hours taking photos of them while we waited in the car. So there was like this sense of appreciation. At the same time, I'm the son of a pastor. We had a very low income growing up. So like a lot of the decisions we made, uh, particularly around diet and things like that, um, were not at all aligned with anything to do with the environment. It was basically, What's cheapest cheap? at, the, yeah. at the grocery um, store? But even back then, I would argue that people weren't necessarily connecting the dots as much then, in general, uh, between food and um, environmental issues. Did did the Green Movement come to BC earlier than the rest of Canada? 
well, like Greenpeace, uh, its origins are in BC. Really? And, yeah. Oh. Which is, and so we like there is a history of it here. There's a you know a, a protest that prohibits old growth logging and things like that. Right. And so I think it is in our genes a little bit, and I fully acknowledge that I'm a little predisposed to. Yeah. Is David uh, Suzuki from here? He was born here, and then I believe he lived in Ontario for a time. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a Japanese-Canadian, so he was part of the internment camps and all that stuff. Right. I've come to a point in my profession and in my faith where I realize that to obtain knowledge, and in this case education and field experience and stuff like that, and then just sit on it and not allow that knowledge to integrate with the Holy Spirit at work in my life, um, is a very shallow way to live. Like, we all specialize in a number of different things. We all have backgrounds in things and take education for things. And I think we should all be asking, what do we do about it? <laughs> what do we do with this knowledge we have? How do we act upon it? How do we um, share it with others and instill this knowledge on others? And when it came to the environmental issue um, of Kinder Morgan on Burnaby Mountain, at the time, I was taking an environmental law class. I was learning all about environmental assessment in Canada, about the National Energy Board. And specifically, I was learning about the changes that had happened to those governing bodies and those policies within the last few years um, that favor industry, but don't necessarily favor democracy or Aboriginal rights or environmental health. And so for me, it was kind of a statement of, you know what, I've been blessed with an education. I, I probably know more than most Canadians about these subjects. And I don't think I'm arrogant saying that. I think it's just the truth. And so I feel like if I just sat on my hands and posted a bunch of Facebook posts saying, ah, we should be against the pipeline, sign this petition, like so many of us do on a number of issues now. Um, I feel like that wouldn't be me fully expressing my faith. So for me, it actually was a, a very, <laughs> I think, a spiritual integration of, of profession and faith and how they mix together. And I don't think I'm going to protest every pipeline and every environmental issue, but that one just somehow felt right. Mm -hmm. So, Just a quick clarifier. Yes. I stopped Coney through my Facebook sharing, and <laughs> I don't need that to be demeaned in this podcast. <laughs> You know what I mean, though, right? Like, yeah. it's so easy nowadays if you're opposed to anything to just like post a million things about what you're upset about, yeah. Yeah. and hope that it somehow changes the world in some extremely passive way. Um, yeah, I think we're called to more than that, you know. And so, yeah. I hear you saying that because you specialize in environmentalism, that's why you prioritize it in that. But you have more knowledge over that issue. Therefore, you act on that knowledge. Sure. But that's not a call to all Christians to be environmentalists like you. You're saying those of us who know as much as I do are called to respond to that. And then other people who are researching immigration or homelessness, they're called to respond to that. Or are you saying... Much has been given to you, so much is required, but there's been knowledge given to every Canadian, and so there's something required of all Canadians. 
I think I'm saying a little bit of everything. Like knowledge nowadays is really, well, knowledge is really hard to acquire in an objective way. Like let's face it, if I Google Tar Sands Alberta, I'm going to get a million different perspectives. Some of them sponsored by naturalist groups, some by oil companies. But it's very difficult to tease through it and discern it. But I felt like in this case. I do obviously carry a bias because I'm a biologist, so naturally I care for a certain element of, of the environment, but I felt like I understood the policies that were being undermined. I understood the rights of First Nations that were being undermined, and I felt called to act on that. Now, do I think every Christian needs to have that response? No. I, I'd like to think that, that there is room for improvement. There certainly is. Um, but like, I have a cousin who's a social worker. And he had a huge issue with the, the most recent Canadian election because of the issue of doctor-assisted suicide hmm. and how that um, impacted some of his clients that are disabled and things like that. And that's, that's a realm I know nothing of. And I'm willing to admit it, but I'd like to think I could learn about it um, and that people within my Christian community can challenge me on it and push me forward in that way. And if he was called to protest for that, all uh, you know, good for him. I hope he does it. Huh. Makes sense. Okay, Dave, are you somebody who feels like those Christians who have knowledge about environmentalism, you don't like that they make it the main thing because you feel like they should have better priorities? Or are you somebody who's like, Use your time. That's your thing. I'll have my thing. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, like Dan said, he, he does know more. (laughs) I don't think there's any debating that. Like he has actually studied this and I Google searched, like he said, for about an hour, just trying to find, I read about four different articles from various opinions and that's the extent of my, uh, my knowledge on this issue, but yeah, on the one hand, I, my natural thinking is that environment is a secondary issue, but I mean, people, people should do what they feel strongly about. And my, my natural position on like environmentalist groups and protesting is I want them to exist because I want them to put pressure on the government to do things in an environmentally friendly way. Right. There's a little bit of me that, and and this is still to this day. And like when I admit it to people, they get very angry at me. (laughs) I have always had a bias against people who work with animals and care about animals as their main priority. Yeah. And I know it's ira- I I get the arguments against it and I have been chewed out for this one. You must love Vancouver by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no comment. Oh. I am just here for the taxes, that's yeah. all. Um, but like uh, like a PETA type thing that this is just their main thing and it's like but there are humans who are struggling. You should put your effort into humans. Because they're more important, which I get the argument against it. I really do. But that's my natural bias. And so in that sense, I think maybe there's some Christians who feel like, 
a passion for environmentalism is fine, but there's like actual issues that are much bigger that you need to spend your time on. I would say that when we frame it that way, we frame it um, in a way that compartmentalizes and disintegrates um, what it means to, to live and, and what it means to live out our faith here on planet Earth. And to try to separate it into a human versus environment issue um, probably more than anything just reflects uh, maybe a lack of understanding of what the bigger picture is. Like, um, I would say a big element of why I feel called to be an environmental advocate is because I feel like um, the very same words that you said, like um, the environment's important, but it's not as important as people or whatever. So let's just put it on the back burner. It does matter, but it doesn't matter that much. Has really resulted in a Christian culture, uh, particularly here in the Western world, that has neglected um, integrating sustainability into our lifestyle because we put people so far ahead that we use that as an excuse to then trample the ground on the way to helping a person. But I would argue, and, and this is what I've been learning, and this is, um, I think, something we need to probably communicate to the church more and more, um, that protecting the environment is often a form of loving your neighbor. You know, like there's an analogy of, you know, would you pour your raw sewage every day into the neighboring stream even though the water flows away from your house and you never drink contaminated water, would you do that knowing that you are poisoning the drinking water of your neighbor slightly down the stream? Probably not. <laughs> but the truth is we do that left, right, and center in maybe less obvious examples. But we do that all the time in how we treat the environment where uh, in order to feed our consumption, in order to provide the materials we want, um, there is often a human cost behind that in addition to an environmental one. Often where you see environmental exploitation, you often see human exploitation. So I'm not saying that environmentalism solves that in any way, but I'm saying that to dismiss it and to um, ignore it um, is, is maybe an incomplete picture of... Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Hopefully. Yeah. I... The thing that has made me the, care the most about environmentalism, maybe in the last couple of years, other than moving to Vancouver, because, I mean, you just slowly it rubs <laughs> off on you. I mean, and I'm not even saying that as a bad thing. It's just, that's reality. I mean, you went you need to you come to back, Tanner. You need to come I know. Back. Every summer, my four months. My four months. Or maybe of, I need to go there. But I found the biggest thing that's changed for me is when I see it as it hurts another person, which mm -hmm. I don't think that's the correct way, like the theological way to put it. Like, I think you actually should care for the earth inherently as a thing that's good. But I find the thing that compels me more is when I think about it. Oh, wait, climate change is affecting people. I guess another thing, and maybe you could comment on this, is that like... I think one of the things that bothers me is that fundamentally most of our environmental issues are actually the result of just a consumerist lifestyle. And I think, I'd like to think most Christians in reflecting on how we consume here in North America can say that 
it is not a sustainable way to live, nor is it one that's spiritually healthy um, mm. in its current state. And the truth is, if we were to live biblically in how we just consume less, buy less, depend on material goods less, that would have a huge environmental statement on this world. Yeah, the the actually the individual like consumerist idea is one that I think matters a lot more to me. Um, it's definitely something that I, I see more value in, but I also probably wouldn't even look at it in, in always just an environmental way is. Yeah. That's what I find so weird, Dave. And I'm totally where you're at, where an argument for anti-consumerism I get, and I think most Christians would get, are an anti-materialism argument. Most Christians don't like littering. I mean, the most anger I've ever seen in my father, who drives oil back and forth, like or did for most of his career, is when he saw someone litter. And it was like studied, like the words I learned in that moment, they're seared into my brain. Mm -hmm. And so all these things, except for environmentalism itself, I think Christians really care about, like every Christian. And so I find it weird that there's a disconnect. I think like people that aren't naturally disposed, <laughs> they don't have the natural disposition of being environmentally conscious and friendly. They, they come from the background of not caring about it as much and their, their natural picture in their head of an environmentalist is like the to the max tree hugger hippie like you know and it's and it, and I think that's where it comes from is just like oh you don't want to be like like that's excessive and all that stuff like right. I, I I think I agree with you that most people have a level of concern for taking care of this world but yeah when they when they hear the words um, people protesting a pipeline or environmentally friendly or Greenpeace or something like that. The instant picture that jumps into their minds is just like the extreme let's, let's shut down industry and let's just go lie in fields of flowers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think Christians are so triggered against that? Um, I think that even though I am obviously passionate about the environment, I do not find myself siding with organizations like Greenpeace or those really outspoken, you know, loud advocates. I often use them to find things out, but that's about it. Because I feel like, I feel like they're, well, and I'm stealing this language from an author I really like, but I feel like they often are, are stealing the same methods that the people they're fighting use, you know, like oil companies will use deception or exaggeration or manipulation to get a point across. But often that same rhetoric is used by these organizations and their intentions might be good. Um, but the methods of coercion, of anger, of hate, of resentment and, of, and all that, all those traits that I see, I think are should naturally push Christians away. And uh, <laughs> I'd like to think that it would, because that, that shouldn't be our language. That shouldn't be our, our 
way of doing things. Do you feel like, I mean, you obviously went to university with a lot of people who thought similarly to you on the environment, who cared about that. Do you feel like there was a resentment towards Christianity among that, that you had to to navigate, I guess? There was, uh, yeah, a huge amount of throwing Christianity under the bus, associating it with basically the Western consumer lifestyle that has done so much, as well as like denying climate change and things like that, right? That are often associated with the Christian right. And um, so, yeah, there was a big hill to overcome in making relationships with my classmates. Um, Just an immense mistrust of organized religion. Yeah, because I I feel like that's part of the reason why I think many Albertan Christians just feel that they're attacked. And so what is the use of caring about that? You know, like the the natural response would be to marginalize it and say, well, that's just a dumb issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Albertans have, there's probably a bias because we've received a lot from, I think there's a lot to lose, You, you know. So for us, it would be like, you have to drive less. You have to buy more expensive clothes. Your your grocery bill will be higher. Things that like practically we just do not like. Do you and think that's part of it? Don't don't you think on this issue that most people don't believe? Like my my gut feeling would be that most people think, and I'm probably in this boat, that you know we're not the world isn't uh, dying tomorrow. I think most people don't look at it and say, unless we change this right now, we're dead in the water, which might be the case or it might not be. But I think just like, that's the attitude of, I do think it's not enough information. Hmm. Or, or at least a confusion of information. Yeah. Well, and, and even just the nature of consumerism in the current state is such that we, we never connect our products to their origins, you know, like, um, what would it be like if, if every person who was filling their gas tank was instantly transported to the tar sands and they had to actually like physically fill their tank with like pails from, from the facility, like it would be a very different experience, but it would also be a very different experience if you were, if you bought a pair of jeans and were transported to see a child laborer, uh, you know, making it before your eyes, right? Like when we when we buy stuff, we are rarely removed, impacted by their origins, right? And mm-hmm. um, for that very reason, it's very difficult to operate with any kind of a consistent ethic <laughs> as a consumer these days. So, any final thoughts? I, I guess I just want to be certain here that we're not creating some kind of pharisaic law. Um, because it can easily become a series of hoops to jump through. Um, and I don't think that's really what this is about. Like, I'd like to think that, because there are so many more issues to our spending beyond environment, right? There's a lot of, and and frankly, it can be overwhelming if we try to make every purchase ethically. Um, (laughs) yeah, it it will probably make (laughs) us feel like just entering the fetal position and leg in the corner for a while. Um, but I think what we've experienced personally, Sarah and I, is that just the more we learn about, say, the textile industry, uh, as we grow in our faith, the more things we find ourselves giving up. 
And that isn't an immediate overnight change, but it's just something where gradually we're slowly filtering things out that we otherwise would have bought a few years previous. And I think that that can be described as just the progressive work of the Holy Spirit um, entering our spending lives. How dare you call God progressive? <laughs> not that kind of progressive. Not that kind of progressive. <laughs> the, uh, well, do you want me to use the word journey? Because I think you would just like that just as well. Yeah, well, yeah, if you so, used your term. <laughs> so, you know, you know what I mean is that we often talk about our faith as being a process, right? So, I think I would love to see just in general within the Christian community, there be more conversation and more pursuit of this kind of knowledge where we can disciple one another and challenge one another to make this a more normal part of our everyday life. And I feel like that conversation is kind of lacking. Dave, any last thoughts? Nope. Thank you for all who are listening. Uh, if you want to email us, we now have that email, but Jax is not here to remind us what it is. <laughs> Something like remember desiring. <laughs> you could add his voice in later, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. oh, Jackson just showed up in the room. <laughs> Jackson, what is <laughs> Desiring Podcast. Dave? Uh, pardon? What's the email? Isn't it desiringbrethrenpodcast at gmail.com? That was beautiful, Dave. We will see you all next time. I'm Tanner Hoffs. I'm David Short. I'm Dan Stewart. All right. Have a good one. Best friends with Rachel Notley. <laughs> oh, I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm>... <laughs> <laughs>